the trees and shrubbery, when they're green, is not their true color. It isn't until autumn that they manifest their true colors. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if that isn't about a midlife woman, I don't know what is. Welcome to the Goddess Diaries with your host, Dawn Champagne. Come explore what it means to be a modern woman who dares to remember her sacred self. Happy Lamas, Lunasa, however you pronounce it, however you say it, however you celebrate it. But what I like to refer to as the season of the queen and here to help us celebrate today, I am super honored to have with us a very special guest none other than the urban shaman herself, Donna Hennis, who is the author of several books, including Queen of Myself, Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife. I want to welcome you to the show, Donna. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my honor. It's my pleasure. So I am super excited to have you on the show today because um, recently... I did an episode on the goddess diaries about the fourfold goddess, the four-faced goddess, and received a lot of feedback from people who just weren't sure about this concept. And so I was really, really thrilled when I came across your website. And here you are, the self-proclaimed queen of myself, author of the book. He wrote a book on it. (laughs) I was super excited to see that and also thrilled that, um, as it turns out, I already have a couple of your books in my collection. You have the (laughs) the Moon Watcher's Companion, which has helped inform an e-course that I produced called Manifesting with the Moon. And also you have the um, Celestially Auspicious Occasions, which is an awesome book as well. Um, or I have that, rather. You wrote it. (laughs) So (laughs) welcome. I am super excited to have you on the show today, but I'm most especially excited about talking about the concept of the four-faced queen. So you wrote about it in your book. Can you tell us a little bit about this concept and why you actually wrote the book? Okay. Um, Well, second question first. I wrote the book because, I needed to read it, (laughs) essentially. Um, As I was entering my midlife, or actually I was in the middle of my midlife, I couldn't find any book that was inspiring uh, about this change, which can be a difficult change. Um, Everything I read about menopause was treated it like it was an illness of some sort. And you know symptoms and and you know uh, mm. cures and and whatever it just it was very upsetting, and I needed some kind of uh inspiration and and some kind of a role model that I could follow into this new stage of my life and for a long time, I've been a devotee of the great goddess, however. The, uh, the the idea of the triple goddess 
never really resonated with me. Um, and because of all my work about the moon and the seasons and the cycles, uh, it just seemed somehow to leave something out. Um, and the traditional, uh, the more research I discovered, actually, uh, I realized that the traditional triple goddess isn't very traditional at all. Uh, there have always been cultures, specifically the Greek culture, the Hindu culture, and the Celtic cultures, have had triple goddesses, but they were not age-identified. They were like sorority sister queens. You know, the Celts had the three warrior queens. Um, so I didn't quite understand that, and then I continued my research, and I discovered that the first mention of the triple goddess having to do with age and being called specifically the maiden, the mother, and the crone was by a man. It was Robert Graves in his book, The White Goddess, which was published in the 1940s, in the late 1940s. So it's hardly an ancient tradition. Um, And he... He named them Maiden Mother Crone, and he identified the three stages, alleged three stages of a woman's life, to the seasons, to the times of the day, to the phases of the moon, to the elements. And I'm going, wait a second, you know, there are four elements, and there are four seasons, and there are four stages of the moons. We we even call them quarters, not thirds. So the whole thing just seemed very suspect to me. And then I read his correspondences, and he said that the maiden was like the dawn. I can see that. It was like spring. I can see that. Like the waxing moon. That makes sense. And like air. And that didn't make sense to me. Because air, in my way of thinking, and as a as a long-time tarot reader, air is a much more sophisticated sign uh, that has to do with mental acuity. Um, to me, the maiden is much more aligned to water, which uh, is emotions, which is the maidens, the young people, the young women specifically, are very emotional beings, and they they don't damn their emotions, and they don't censor themselves. And personally, I was on the edge of tears till I was 18. Right. And then he goes on to the mother, and he says she's like high noon, okay. She's earth, makes sense. She's the full moon, again, makes sense. Everything he said about the mother seemed pretty good. And then he moved right on to the crone. The crone is like midnight. She's like winter. She's like the new dark moon. Okay. And then I'm thinking, where's autumn? Where's fire? I mean, women in our middle years are nothing if we're not about fire. Our, our emotions are totally inflamed. Our patience is burnt to a crisp, and our bodies are totally on fire. 
And then I, you know, all of it. I mean, the 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 queen. Well, I didn't call her the queen at that point, but autumn is like autumn is like fire. Autumn. I mean, fire is like autumn. And autumn. In one of my workshops about the queen, a woman was saying she's a botanist, and she was saying that the trees and shrubbery when they're green, is not their true color. It isn't until autumn that they manifest their true colors. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if that isn't about a midlife woman, I don't know what is. Right. And then uh, we should be like the waning moon. He leaves the waning moon out completely. Well, there are four quarters to the moon, and I like to think of the waning moon not as getting weaker, not as getting darker, not as getting smaller, but as becoming more condensed, becoming thicker, becoming right. like wine or like good broth, just becoming more of the essence of who we really are. Uh, and the same thing with the time of the day. You know, unless you live exactly on the equator, it does not go from light to dark in one second. It does not go from noon to midnight immediately. First, we have evening. And at evening, at sunset, the sky lights up in this beautiful, glorious, passionate pageant of of color, which, again, is really like the midlife stage of our life. So... At that point, I felt I had proof <laughs> that it is not a triple goddess. I'm sorry, all you queen, uh, sorry, all of these you goddess women out there who are clinging to the triple goddess. It really is. She really is a goddess with four faces, and mm-hmm. I call her the queen. She's hasn't been a maiden for a very long time. She's no longer an active 24-hour, seven-day-a-week mother, although once you're a mother, you're always a mother, but you're not on duty in the same way. And we're a long way from being the old, wise ones because we live Mm -hmm. so much longer these days. More and more and more and more women are live to be their late 90s and 100s. So I call us the queens because we rule. And when you look around at CEOs of corporations and heads of state and all the women in the Congress and in the Senate, they're all women in their midlife. So this is a really time of our life when we are in the full blast of our power. And I noticed that, and I was actually afraid of, of the response that you, that you got. When I wrote this book, I thought, oh, gosh, they're going to kick me out of the goddess club, you know. <laughs> and But it, it, the opposite happened. Every goddess temple around the world that I'm aware of, and I'm sure that there are many that I'm not aware of, have adopted the fourfold goddess and have created a fourth altar in honor of the queen because it so resonates. But yeah. there are some... You know, um, I don't know what to call them, born-again, radical (laughs) goddess women who are really... 
yeah. clinging to that. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me too. I love the fact that your um experience has shown you that the goddess temples around the world have embraced this ideal or this archetype or or um or this goddess rather whatever however you want to say it. I love that because everything that you have said it just it it is so true and I think that probably the women who are clinging to the threefold model may in fact be women who aren't at the queen stage yet or maybe they are but um haven't fully embodied or as you as you mentioned condensed into their true essence yet i'm not well, sure what it is in a while i get a letter of an angry letter from a woman who says why can't you just embrace the crone you know that's, that's what we're yeah. supposed to be when we stop bleeding and the crone is, you know, the wise one. And I'm thinking, I do embrace the crone. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a very wise and very naughty crone. <laughs> but you can't, I mean, let's say you start, you know, going through your menopause at 50, and so many of us live to be 100. You cannot be the wise woman for half of your life. It's absurd, and it's disrespectful. What does a 50-year-old woman or a 60, a 65-year-old woman know that an 85-year-old or 90-year-old woman knows? Right. That's like saying somebody who's 20 know what we know. And you know that's not true. And so, uh, you know, I I see where they're coming from. And they, and at least the women who have been uh, very outspoken to me, and in their way of thinking, they feel that it's a denial of aging. Yes. That it's a, a, a clinging to a more glamorous depiction of women and not a lot, you know, not feeling good about aging. But again, for me personally, anyway, that couldn't be further from the truth. I have been loving aging, and yes. and I get very angry at all these. Um, the commercials that are just rampant now about anti-aging, this and that ointment mm-hmm. and this and that surgery and so on. And I'm sorry, honey. The the op, you know, anti-aging is dying. You know, right. it, the, if true. you don't age, you die. I, I mean, I don't. I, aging might be hard sometimes, but it's a lot better than the alternative. Oh, so, I agree. Uh, you know, but I, I do I do have to say that that is where a lot of the anger comes from, is that they feel that I'm trying to hide out to to deny my age or to deny aging or refusing to get older or something like that. Yeah, but, that's that's been my experience too. Um I am 42 years old and I am menopausal. I'm I'm going through the change as we speak. <laughs> but you know, despite that, that doesn't mean that I have entered cronehood. I still have so much to learn and so much to experience before I do become that wise woman as you as exactly as you just said. And that is interesting that you have received that same feedback because I received that as well. Um, 
you know, someone tried to psychoanalyze me saying, well, why are you afraid of aging? Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not. Exactly. I, I want to do it gracefully is what it is. You don't just jump from one to the other, you right. know. So. Right. And 40 is not old. No. I'm sorry. 50 is not old anymore. It's not. I don't I'm think in 60 my 60s is now. old. <laughs> And yeah, I, I am not old. I'm sorry. Right. I'm I'm just not old. I am older than I used to be, <laughs> but I am not as old as I hope to be. Oh, and, I love that. You know, and I, I more and more I read about these extraordinary new role models that I have. There's a 96-year-old woman who just finished a marathon. Oh, and she it. started running when she was 87. Oh, fabulous. You know, I, there's a, a 106-year-old African-American OBGYN in Georgia who is still driving to do home deliveries. Oh, that is fabulous. How could I know what she knows? Right. That's a 40-something-year difference. That's like somebody who's 20 knows what a 60-year-old knows. That's ridiculous. Right. And disrespect. And I know that when, when we're 20, we do think we know everything, you know, but, but by the oh, time yeah. we're 30, we realize we don't. <laughs> you know? so, oh, I can attest to that. <laughs> very in the, in the minority, I do have to say. But, but there are some very outspoken women. And there's, there's a magazine called, uh, uh, what is it called? The Sage? I, no, um, Crohn's Chronicles. Yes. And I read an article in that that was entire, entitled Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, the Three Stages of the Goddess. And I'm hmm. thinking, fall is not winter. Sorry. It's a totally, totally different season, time of life. I find it to be very exciting when you first feel that change in the in the air and the mm-hmm. and, and just the feeling of the air and the smell in the air. It just it just juices you up. It's it's an amazing feeling. It really and does. The Queen time is a very juicy time. It's a very exciting, empowering time. What a beautiful metaphor that is. I love that. I think, you know, the other thing about the feedback that I've received is that the queen, the actual word itself, brings up notions of entitlement. Um, But your book is called Queen of Myself, Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife. Can you um, rant a little bit on the differences between entitlement and sovereignty? Yes, a, a princess is entitled. You oh. know, a princess has 18 mattresses so she won't feel the pee, you know. The <laughs> queen has a lot of responsibility. Uh, there's, there's really a big difference. And I also purposely, sometimes women have said to me, and it's been, it's been a long time since I've heard this, I think, more and more there is it is in the air the idea of the empowerment of women as we age 
um, it's really becoming a, a trending notion. But in the beginning, I would hear women say, well, I don't want to be the queen over anybody. And that isn't the idea. It's uh, We live in a culture where power is thought to be about power over. It's power by exploitation or fear or manipulation um, or, or violence. Whereas I'm talking about empowerment, the power that comes up through the earth into us and then out of us. And that is true sovereignty. And so the entitlement there is, a, that's a hard, one of the hardest parts of this transformation is learning how to allow ourselves to be entitled to be powerful, entitled to speak our truth, entitled to claim time and space and authority for ourselves, authority and power ourselves and and entitle ourselves with the authorship of our own lives and our own being. Uh, And for a lot of women, that's a difficult step to take. But So it is about entitlement, but not the entitlement that is given to us automatically because our father or our husband happens to be king. It's the power that that the the West African, a lot of the West African tribes have this incredible saying that they say you crown your own head basically meaning you're in charge of your own life. And when I have crowning ceremonies for women, I don't crown them. They crown themselves with their own intentions and their own visions and their own dreams and aspirations. Um, And that's a totally different thing. And so I feel that it's really a time now in our midlife after we have spent some of us 20, 30, and more years caring for others and not just necessarily our families, uh, our mates, our children, and now in midlife our parents, but also our businesses and our careers and our art forms and so on, our, our political affiliations. Women are caring beings in that mothering time of our life. We are all taking care of something, whether or not we've actually had children. And now I I collect what I call midlife mantras, and that is if I have heard a 1,000, 10,000 women saying the same thing, I know this is a real thing. And one of the most popular ones is, now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. I have discovered in my mid-years, I am speaking for all of us, that I am a mortal being. You know, when when we were young, we didn't know that. We didn't believe it. We knew it intellectually, but we didn't get it in our gut. Now we know that we're mortal. And so things become more important to us and less important to us. We have less patience with the inessential and we're much more interested in what is truly important. 
And so we want these remaining years, however many we have, to be important and to reflect who we really are and who we want to be. And that is really crucial. <clears throat> so that's part of this empowerment, you know, that once we empower ourselves to be who we truly want to be in this lifetime, then I feel it's really important for other queens to reach out to each other so that together we can be a class of empowered rulers, wise women who rule wisely, who can take in hand all the troubles of the world today and begin to heal them. Beautiful. Some of the um, what you were just saying just made me think about, you know, when I was young and thought I knew everything, I was on this um, self-love kick. And I see that happening now as well. It seemed to be a, a great trend, which is a good trend to, to have and embody self-love is a beautiful thing. I think, though, that what you said about it's my time now or it's time for me now takes self-love to a whole new level. I also like what you're saying about the queens coming together, you know, ruling, being sovereign over their own lives, and then yet coming together, you know, expanding that that fiefdom, if you will, that queendom, (laughs) to branch out and take care of business. Um, When I turned 40 a couple of years ago, uh, my girlfriends and I, uh, Joanna DeVoe and Lenora Henson and my friend, uh, our friend Suzanne Michelle, created a forum for other women. We were all turning 40 at the same time. And for us, who are of the Generation X generation, you know, this is, seemed like a, a strange time for us. And we created this group called Four on 40, where we dished on what it meant to us turning 40 and how we can go forward with grace and ease and style. And, you know, we're still trying to figure it out as we go along. But I love the whole concept of coming together, each sovereign in our own ways and sharing with others um, and being of service to others so that we all can do this together. And And women around the world really are rising now. And this yes. is this is the time, and uh, you know I, I'm seeing it begin to happen, and it's very exciting. And you know we we do know what we know. We we we've learned a lot, and mm-hmm. we have experience. I mean, this is such a good age because we have experience of aging and of paying our dues and being in there doing things. And yet we still have the energy and the spirit mm-hmm. to do more and to reach out and to, you know, start bigger, bigger projects. And it's, uh, you know, it's just happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the seasons, this is the time when you're on fire and all that energy that, comes forth it is um i like to think of it as you know the the how the leaves this during the season just get brighter and brighter and more intense you know in color and you know i'm barely 
I'm still green. <laughs> and I <laughs> I feel like, you know, I I honor people like you and women like you who've gone before who embrace this concept because it it really helps me to see we're just now starting to to get our colors about us. So this is great. Great stuff. I love it. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, I have a question for you. So yeah. the day that this episode airs will be Lunasa or Lamas. Do you do you practice Lamas or do you practice Lunasa, or which which do you resonate towards? I think of Lamas as a mature woman. You know, as not a forty year old queen, but maybe a sixty year old queen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, somebody who is well seasoned, as it were. Um, the summer solstice is is still it's it's kind of a, still a, a mothering time. You know, it's a very usually around the world it's a very sexual holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the flowers, the full flowers, um, and the not not that queens are not sexual, and I don't mean at all to say that. But it is more of a time of that's why we have June weddings. It's a, still it's a holdover from all that uh, season of love. This is more a, a seasoned, been there, done that, know what I know time. And yet it's not. It, and it is first harvest, um, right? You know. And so it is. Yes. Uh, you know. I, I'm I'm ready to claim a certain amount of my harvest. I definitely have earned some wisdom along the way, for sure. Um, and I do consider myself a wise woman, but I am not as wise as I hope I will be someday. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on it, you know. Um, so that's that's how I think of it, and that those are the intentions and the symbols that I use when I when I honor Lamas. Do you have any personal um, anecdotes or anything to share regarding your experience with the Four-Faced Queen? I mean, I know that you've shared a lot already, but anything that has touched you personally or that you've witnessed in other women, perhaps? I know you write about it a little bit in your book uh, about women who are no longer active mothers and stuff like that, but what can you share with us in that regard? Well, I, I, what interests me, I think, is a lot of the stories that women have told me about their transition. Um, my transition, I don't know, it was kind of a, a very natural one and that I had to learn how to put words to. Uh, but that, that uh, coming into my power, is, it just, that just came, and I think that's just part of my shamanic work. Um, but other women really had more trouble figuring it out. And I guess that's a lot of the work that I do is midlife midwife, is help women mm. to do that and seeing such incredible transformation. Um, I had this amazing phone call because some of the women that I counsel are, you know, via phone. And one of my clients called me from a supermarket in hysterics, literally in hysterics. She had been divorced for some time, 
and had two teenage kids, and this summer is when they both left for various reasons, various places, but she was alone for the first time in decades. And she was at the supermarket, and she didn't know what to buy. It had been decades since she had asked herself, okay, Louise, what would you like for dinner tonight? She didn't have the slightest idea. You know, it was always, well, this one won't eat that, and this one's allergic to that, and this one has to have this. And she had no sense of her own desires and who she was. And now that she wasn't a caregiver, who was she supposed to be? And I, I, I just found that very poignant, but I have, I've seen that a lot, actually. And, mm-hmm. and it's very um, daunting, um, but very exciting, because now she could be anyone who she darn well pleased to be. And that's, that's very exciting. And I've also seen women put them, their selves, their capital S selves, which is a Jungian term for the the parts of our of our personality. We have a mental part, an emotional part, a spiritual part, a physical part, and we've all developed in different ways. And so this time of life is a great time to put all our parts together, like like a, a quilt or like a puzzle, and time to discover the parts of ourselves that we've put on hold for whatever reason. And there was one woman that I was working with who was a corporate big shot and made a lot of money and had a really big job and really high stress and really high pressure and really high responsibility but also high influence. And she just got to a point that she realized I am not in touch with my emotions at all. You can't be emotional in a boardroom. And she quit her job, which, of course, given her circumstances, she was able to do and still be okay. But she quit her job and took a job as an assistant in a daycare center. Oh, wow. A minimum wage job. And... She was like a pig in mud. She was the happiest person. <laughs> she was just, she, you know, she just loved being with these children and discovered this whole happy, silly, affectionate part of herself that had been hidden for decades. And the opposite has been true. Housewives who all of a sudden go back to graduate school or take that novel that they started in college out of the drawer and, and, you know, started to work on it or join the Peace Corps or whatever. Um, so it's it's just it's very, very exciting. And all kinds of things. I've seen women who, after their kids have left, have moved into a kid's room and had separate bedrooms from their husband. And all their friends would think, and this has happened, This is I've heard this story several times, their friends are thinking, oh, no, their marriage is on the rocks. But no, it was the opposite. The woman was claiming some space and some privacy 
And one woman actually said, now I don't have to have his socks all over the place and his smell all over the place and his snoring every night. And, you know, they were intimate much more often in that situation. So there's no one way to be a woman. And that's, I think, what we discover in this time of life. And that's what's so exciting. We can be whoever we want to be. Well, I'm wondering why this association, the the queen being associated with the season of autumn, why has it been overlooked for so long? I mean, I, I... Well, actually, I think it's because Robert Graves was a misogynist. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> it, uh, and actually, I, I did a workshop once where one of uh, um one of the participants was an older man who was a um oh, I don't he was a professor. And I don't I don't remember if it was literature or it might have been religious studies, but he had read a lot about Robert Graves and did indeed say that he really didn't like women. Um, but it's easy to understand. It's not easy to approve of. But, you know, men love maidens. You know, they're unformed. They'll, they think you're amazing and great. And women do like powerful men. And that's a match made in heaven. They're happy with the maidens. And then the mother, you know, the Madonna, please, you know, there's the whore and the Madonna. And the Madonnas are, are totally worshipped. And then everybody loves their grandmother. But the midlife woman is the woman who speaks up. She's no longer afraid. She doesn't hold her tongue. She says what she feels. And, you know, there are lots of movies that have depicted midlife women as menopausal maniacs, basically, or dried-up old librarians or... Whatever, I mean, that is just now beginning to change with a whole new crop of Hollywood actresses and writers and directors who are women in the, in that stage of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that 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 for the old crop of men, I do have to say that younger men, especially you know the, the millennials who were raised by us with a totally different kind of parenting and a totally different kind of a role model for women are much more desirous of being with a strong woman and realize actually what a strain it is for a man to have to be the boss all the time and make all the decisions. It's like having to pull around a pool toy behind you wherever you go. And it's it's very liberating not just for women but for men for women to be strong and so i i think that that was it honestly i think he just he just didn't even think of us as women you know we weren't made and we weren't luscious in our youth and and unblemished beauty and we weren't the givers of life and we weren't the wise loving cookie baking grandmas then we were, you know, we were invisible. I don't know that he even thought about us. I don't know yeah. that he even realized, well, wait a minute, doesn't the moon have four <laughs> four quarters? 
Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think we were just the furthest thing from his mind as as ideal. When you're talking about Robert Graves and his misogynist views, um, I don't think a lot of us really know about that. Like, we just take it at face value and go with it. And so it's just something important, I feel, that we should probably Right, and most people honestly believe that that idea of the maiden mother and crone is ancient, 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 ancient. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just isn't. I mean, even the idea of the three fates in in Greek mythology... I remember in junior high school when we took, you know, world mythology that the three fates were described as the young one spins the thread of life, the middle one measures the thread of life, and the old one cuts the thread of life. Mm -hmm. And that became understood to goddess women as, you know, the triple goddess. But... I've been to Greece, you know. I've I've seen the urns, I've seen the frescoes, I've seen the friezes, and every depiction of the three fates are three young nubile women dancing around an olive tree. There is no middle or old <laughs> fate. Mm-hmm. They're all young. So again, they you know they were a triple goddess, but not age identified, and. Um, I, I don't know. It's 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 just it's just very interesting how and sad how the I don't know the super orthodox I don't know what word to give it exactly mm-hmm. but the super orthodox in any spiritual tradition holds on very tightly and doesn't want to open to change of any sort. Um, or addition or expansion, and the whole the whole point of the goddess is that she encompasses everything, and right. nature is all about change. So when there is something that is changeable, then that is also honorable and and real and true and seems to me that's a natural fit for the goddess for women who would like to know more about the queen who would like to read the book um mm-hmm. i would like to send you to the website www.thequeenofmyself.com and there is a place there to subscribe to the Queen's Chronicles. I publish a monthly e-zine that really picks up where the where the book left off. It's free. Um and it it's a monthly uh collection, I should say, of information and inspiration for women in our midlife for you know um meaning and magic and moxie and majesty in our middle years. And there are readers, oh, my gosh, at last count, I think, in 34 countries. And so it's really an interesting read, and I urge you to sign up. I'm glad to send it to you. 
Absolutely. And I subscribed, and I loved your last one, and it's oh, so good. good. You guys have to all sign up for it. How can we buy your book? How can we get in touch with you to buy your book? Do you sell it on your website? Is there an Amazon page? Get it on or? the website. It's on Amazon also. Okay, perfect. Donna, I want to thank you again so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and be interviewed and talk about The Queen of Myself, your books, The Queen of Myself, Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife. And you are just a treasure trove of information. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really deeply honor you. Thank you so much. Oh, and thank you, John. This was a pleasure talking with you. Queen Dawn, I should say. Oh, and, <laughs> and thank you for that. I I also forgot to mention to the listeners here that I love the fact that you are known as Mama Donna. <laughs> <laughs> it's thank been, you. Uh, people have been calling me that for probably 35 years, so now I'm probably more Grandmama Donna. But I, uh, you know, I, I, it's an honorific that I'm, I'm very touched by. Well, until next time, I love you guys to the moon and back. Thank you for coming on the show, Donna. Thank you.